Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. Today our study is in the book of 1 Chronicles, chapter 11. Here's Pastor Ryan. David's awesome. I, I love his life. I, it's a cautionary tale, no doubt, right? However, he was a man who really loved the Lord, and even from a young age. David, the son of Jesse, you know, was anointed when he was just a young lad, taking care of the sheep. His father didn't think much of him, because when Samuel came to anoint the king of Israel, he didn't bring David in. He just uh, called all of David's brothers. They were handsome and so and strong and Surely this is the Lord's anointed. Even the prophet said, oh my gosh, he looks like a king. <laughs> but no, the Lord refused them. The Lord taught Samuel, I don't judge by the outside the way man does. God looks at the heart, and then they brought scrawny little David in, and little, little lad, and anointed him king. David is just, like I said, he's an amazing guy. I don't have to tell you that. In Psalm 68... At the end of it, 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 it talks about how God chose David his servant and took him from the sheepfolds, from following the ewes that, that had young. He, God, brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. And so that's a good little summary at the end of Psalm 78 of how God chose this little shepherd boy who would shepherd his people, God's people, uh, with the integrity of his heart. And so it's a beautiful thing that he would guide Israel with the skillfulness of his hands. And then Paul in the book of Acts chapter 13, as he was preaching in Antioch, he was preaching about David. And he said concerning him, quoting God, I have found David the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all my law. What a difference between David and Saul. God knew David as a man after his own heart and a man who wanted to fulfill all of his law. Saul didn't want to fulfill the word. We just talked about that. He, he wasn't heeding the voice of the Lord. He wasn't heeding the commandments of God. But yet David in his life, this is what he desired most was to honor the word of God, was to know God. In all, and even though he wasn't perfect, we know he was a sinner. But yet, generally, what we learn of David, the psalmist of the Bible, was that he had a tender heart for God with all of the mess-ups that he did. Not the sin, treacherous sin, generally in his life. He was repentive of those, but also he just wanted to be with God. He loved God. And his psalms, what God wrote through him, are so comforting. And we see his tenderness, don't we? His his love for God and ministers to us for hundreds and hundreds of years. And so we read in verse 1 that all Israel came together to David at Hebron. Hebron, guys, is the 
place where Abraham was. It's a place where Abraham is buried. And so it's a very special place for Israel to meet. And Hebron was about 150 miles south of Jerusalem. And all of Israel came together to David at Hebron, saying, Indeed, we are your bone and your flesh. Also in time past, even when Saul was king, you were the one who led Israel out and brought them in. And the Lord your God said to you, You shall shepherd my people Israel and be ruler over my people Israel. Therefore all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel according to the word of the Lord by Samuel. And so we see here that Israel came together under David. To me, when I read this, I'm like blown away on, on how the logistics of that, the miracle of that, how everyone finally came together to King David. When he first became king, he was 30 years old and he the kingdom was not united. It took seven years before the kingdom would be united and they all would come under David. But to me, it's a miracle. Why did they come together under him? What drew the people to come to David, King David? It was, I think, because they recognized that the Lord was with him. They recognized, the people recognized that this new king is of the Lord. The Lord anointed this man and they knew that God was with them. They saw that God had blessed them with so many victories and so they came to him. And it's such a beautiful thing. It was God that made David great. He was great because God was with him. And in the same way, you and I are extraordinary people because of Jesus Christ in our life. God makes us extraordinary people, blessed people who God desires to do amazing things within our lives. We have to believe and many have forgotten the benefit of the Lord when the Bible says, forget not all his benefits. You he chose from the foundations of the world. He knew you when you were in your mother's womb and he formed you to walk with him, to know him, and to have an extraordinary blessed life. A life that's filled with blessings, yes, with trials, yes, with hardships, but with blessings beyond our wildest dreams. I believe that today. And they came together because he was a man of God. And I believe that the Lord will use your life and my life as we are dedicated to his word. If we, like David, desire to seek the Lord and be a man and woman after his heart, then others would be attracted to that light. And the Lord will bring people as we are built up in the word, as we are seeking God for our guidance, not going to mediums, not going to this world, but going to the Lord for guidance every single day. God will bring people miraculously because people will be attracted to the fact that you're a man or woman of God. Turn with me to Psalm 144, please. In Psalm 144, David is writing here. And it's a beautiful psalm of just a recognition that his greatness is of the Lord. It's because of God. David, I believe, was a very humble king. You recall as he danced before the Lord and he 
It was just time and again, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, shout to God, come into his courts with gladness and praise. Serve the Lord with fear. But he said so much. He was so humble. He was used by God. And he understood that his greatness was because of God. In Psalm 144, verses 1 through 4, it says, Blessed be the Lord my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle, my loving kindness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer, my shield and the one in whom I take refuge, who subdues my people under me. See, he acknowledges that the people have come under him because of who? Because of the Lord. The Lord teaches his hands for war. The Lord defends them. The Lord is a strong tower. All of these things. And then he says in verse 3, Lord, what is man that you take knowledge of him? Or the son of man that you are mindful of him? Man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. You see, King David was made great by God. And I believe that the reason why the Lord was able to bless him with that responsibility was because he was humble enough to recognize that man is nothing. We're like a breath. But you, God, have have blessed my life. You have taught me to fight. You have taught me so many skills and blessed me. And, And so God made him great, guys. But he acknowledged that he, you know, we're not much. God is everything. That's why King David is loved. That's why he was great. Little shepherd boy grows up to be a shepherd man and then the king of Israel. Beautiful grace of God that he would take you and I from the most humblest, most unlikely starts to be used by God to share his gospel with people, to be used by God to help people get saved for eternity. My goodness, what a glorious calling upon your life and mine that we get to share in the in the treasures of heaven with people if we've heard his voice and we are doing what we're supposed to do which i trust that you are keep sharing your faith keep telling them how great god is and how how great your life is because he pulled you out of hell into the heavenly places tell them how great god is in your life tell them Some of the most tender Christians I have ever met have been those who know they are nothing. But at the same time, that all the blessings that they are enjoying are because God has given them those blessings. Those are the most tender Christians. Those are the most dedicated Christians who the ones who understand that they are nothing and also that every blessing they enjoy is because of God. They have a grateful heart. Man, they're tender. They're powerful. Some of the sweetest people I've ever met are, are, are those who really are, are super humble, but also, my goodness, super blessed. But I think the blessings keep coming in their life. Why? Because they acknowledge that they themselves are nothing, but God is everything. And they serve him, and they look to him, and they're obedient to him. And it's just great to see that tenderness. I was reading a commentary from an old American preacher named Jonathan Edwards from the 1700s. And he said, the less apt a man is to be afraid of natural evil, having his heart fixed, trusting in God, and so not afraid of evil tidings, the more apt he is to be alarmed with the appearance of moral evil or the evil of sin. As a man has more holy boldness, so he has less of self-confidence or 
a forward assuming boldness and he has more modesty he has the firmest comfort but the softest heart he is richer than others but poorest of all in spirit he is the tallest and strongest saint but the least and tenderest child among them what a beautiful word from that guy basically saying that the person who puts their trust in the lord is less apt to be fearful of the things that are going on in the natural world and is more concerned with self-holiness with even the appearance of evil that person is is richer than all but poorest in spirit they're modest they they're just tender they're tender the strongest saint the tallest of saints yet the most tender like a child and i think that's how david was just read the psalms you know thank god for his obedience to write those down for us i think all we have to do is see god with all of our hearts and god will show us things that'll blow our minds away romans eight twenty eight still applies today and we know that all things work together for good for those who love god to those who are called according to his purpose it says here also the people said to him they came around him and they said to him hey in time past even when saul was king you were the one who led israel out and brought them in and the lord your god said to you you shall shepherd my people israel so the people acknowledged that even before he was king when saul was king it was actually david who was going in and out with the people to do the battling he went to war with the people he was leading them before he was leader of them he was shepherding them and the people acknowledged that and uh, that's a beautiful thing about king david he wasn't one who said go go fight the battle and not go with them reminds me of our lord and savior jesus christ the son of david he's a servant leader our lord has taught us don't don't just preach it don't just quote the scripture serve others help others go in and out like i said all of i believe all of us as christians are a little bit of sheep and a little bit of shepherd if we have god's spirit in us so we need to be like david not just telling people you ought to live this way but to actually exemplify what we're preaching to live it by example to show others amen turn with me to luke 22 please i never get tired of reading this passage jesus speaking to the disciples about servanthood he said to them in verse 25 of uh, luke 22 the kings of the gentiles exercise lordship over them and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors but not so among you on the contrary he who is greatest among you let him be as the younger and he who governs as he who serves for who is greater he who sits at the table or he who serves is it not he who sits at the table yet i am among you as one who serves king david said let's go fight him and he went with them let's go fight him and he went with them the lord is saying to the disciples look at the kings of this world those who are in authority the gentiles they they exercise lordship over their people and they're called benefactors or they call themselves benefactors which is a interesting 
sentence? What, what do you mean benefactor? What it means is that uh, they lord over people, they rule over them in a lording type of way, in a harsh way, and they call themselves friends of the people they're lording over. That's what it means, and they call themselves benefactors. In other words, like how many politicians say they're a friend of the people? So in other words, the Lord says, like, you know, the kings of this world, they rule, they lord over people, and they, can, they call themselves friends of the people. But it's not supposed to be that way with Christians. We're to be those that lead by example through servanthood. God help us to be servants, to serve one another, to serve the Lord. Moms and dads, King David was a shepherd. Are we shepherding our, peop- our kids in and out of the scriptures? Are we shepherding them in the way our kids ought to walk in the ways of the Lord? Are we shepherding them? Husbands, are we loving our wives as Christ loved the church? Are we washing her with the water of the word? Or are we unlike David and are we more like Saul? Who says, yeah, I know what it says in Ephesians 5, but uh, I go to church. Oh, the says in Ephesians, wash your wife's mind with the word. Wow. You know, there's a lot the Bible says and we just talk ourselves into justifying why we don't do what he says. We need to be shepherds in our own home. We need to be shepherding our spouses. We need, to, we need to be diligent to know the state of our flocks, the Bible says. To know how they're doing. Like King David, who shepherded. And they said, man, you were doing that before. It's like, oh man. And we have, if the Lord tarries, we have time to exemplify that. And there, you know, I'm talking to a bunch of servants here. I'm very much proud of all of you guys. I mean, everyone seems to be doing something here for the Lord, and it's a good thing. And if not, then we encourage you to do so. And so back to our text. Therefore all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord. And they anointed David king over Israel according to the word of the Lord by Samuel. And David and all Israel went to Jerusalem, which is Jebus where the Jebusites were, the inhabitants of the land. And so before Jerusalem was called Jerusalem, it was called Jebus because the Jebusites lived there. The Jebusites, if you remember, they were one of the remnants of the Canaanites, people of the land that God had commanded the Israelites to kick out of the land. They're wicked people. Kick them out. The land is yours. All you have to do is go in there, charge by faith, and it is yours. Well, the Jebusites held out, and the Israelites, as you know, gave up. They didn't take all that God had for them. And so here now, David is going to take Jerusalem, and it's going to become the city of David. But there is a reminder for us within this that the Jebusites and the Canaanites they're a picture of the old life they're a picture of the flesh and I wonder how many of us have not gotten rid of things that we ought to get rid of that don't bring glory to the Lord but hinder us spiritually if there's anything that is ungodly unholy in our lives that needs to be removed We should all cry out every day, Lord, search my heart. Is there anything in my life that isn't good of you that I need to remove from my life? 
that is hindering me from all that you want to do in my life. It's a beautiful prayer, guys, and it's something that we should really consider. Kids, I know you're here. It's hard at your age, but it's a blessing. You have your, you have your life ahead of you, and there's things in this world that are all over the place, you know it, that aren't good. Stay away from them. Don't adopt them into your life. The Lord says to, if there's anything that causes you to sin, remove it from you. He was so serious, he said, cut off your right arm. Pluck out your right eye. It's better for you to enter into heaven maimed than to enter into hell with all of your limbs. It's that serious where if there's anything, anything that, that is in our life that isn't good. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3, please. Beginning with verse 5. Really, Paul is telling the Colossi church, you know, seek those things that are above. Seek the Lord. Set your mind on, on the Lord, on things above. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members, which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him where there is neither Greek nor Jew circumcised nor uncircumcised barbarians, uh, Scythian, slave nor free but Christ is all and in all the Bible tells us to put to death you know our members the flesh and the things that were listed and it's just a, a beautiful thing to be reminded of. Is there anything in your life? Paul would say in Romans 13, verse 11 through 14, And do this knowing the time, that now is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. I mean, they, they're getting rid of the Jebusites and they inherit the city of David. They inherit Jerusalem, Mount Zion. The new Jerusalem will be Jerusalem. It's synonymous with eternal life, Jerusalem. And I think the blessings that we enjoy as we Seek God to be holy and to cut away compromises, to c cut away the sin that so easily ensnares. I mean, it's not like anything that I've given up for the Lord. I've never regretted giving up for the Lord. He's blessed me so much more. Like a city of Jerusalem. I mean, that in our story. They go in there. They take these guys out. God promised, you do this. You take them out. You can have their city. You can have their land. There's so much God has for us. But some of us have to get rid of some things. 
some compromise, some half-stepping, some laziness, some excuses. And then back in our text, it says that in verse 5, But the inhabitants of Jebus said to David, You shall not come in here. Second Samuel tells us that, that they said that David, man, the, lame, the lamest of our people, the weakest, will just beat you guys up. You're not going to come in here. There's no way you can win. Even our weakest will take you down. That was the threat to David. But that's the threat that the devil says to so many people. He lies to them. You can't, you can't get rid of that temptation. You can't get rid of that sin, that addiction. You've always been this way. You can never get rid of that. You can't be different. And people buy that. People say, I've always been this way. But Jesus died to change us. Jesus rose from the dead to give us the same power that raised him from the dead is the same spirit that is in our lives that can strengthen us against any old way we used to live, any temptation. The Lord is, is there to give us the victory. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 10 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicolette Street in Banning. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and just hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. Chapman. Bye.